Welcome to the Equestrian Connection podcast from WeHorse, the online riding academy. My name's Danielle Kroll, and I'm your host. On this episode, we're talking with Anna Buffini, a professional dressage rider with accomplishments such as being a 2022 World Cup finalist, a rider on the 2021 Compagnie Rotterdam and Aachen Five Star Nations Cup teams, a 2016 under 25 champion, and the 2014 US Young Rider Champion. Anna is such an inspiration to many dressage riders and riders in general. And if you're not following her on Instagram, you really ought to be. Her content is inspirational, motivating, and will light up your feed. I'm so excited to chat with her today and discuss things like improving yourself on and off the horse, staying motivated in the sport, equestrian life balance, and so much more. So let's dive in. Anna, we are so excited to have you here with us. Um, this is a podcast episode that's not only exciting for me and the We Horse team, but also everybody that um, tunes into our podcast. So thank you so much for being here with us and taking time out of your busy schedule. Thank you for having me. I love working with you guys. The work you do is incredible. So it's fun for me. Thank you. So let's dive right in. Um, Starting at the beginning, how did you get into horses and what were your first few years like as an equestrian? I was a gymnast trying to actually make the U.S. team from age two to nine and I was too injured and it was a pretty negative sport. So my parents pulled me out and honestly, I think horses were just in my blood. I have been obsessed with them since I was born. I always collected them. I watched every horse movie, TV show. I owned every single horse book on the planet. And I begged for years to ride a horse. I think it was just, I was born with it. And the second I sat on a horse at age 11, it was over. <laughs> My poor parents were done. <laughs> so um, I just fell in love and I just happened to start riding dressage. I didn't know what the disciplines were, um, but it's so much like gymnastics where it's, you have to have perfection. You are getting judged. You, um, you know, have to wait for your score till the end and the suspense is dreadful. So it's, um, it's a sport that lines up with my personality really well, but, uh, yeah, I just, I was meant to be a horse rider. I love it. So you didn't like dabble in other disciplines. You started immediately with dressage. I started immediately with dressage. And honestly, I think every equestrian should start with dressage. It gives mm -hmm. you such a good foundation. Um, but I love the others. And I will definitely in the future, once I've accomplished a lot of my dressage goals, I definitely am going to own a jumper. I'm going to own a rainer. I love the other um, mm -hmm. disciplines. But just to, you know, I want to try and see how far I can get in dressage. So I have to focus all my attention and efforts in that right now. Mm -hmm. I completely agree with you that all foundations of riding should start with dressage. I like where I am, um, is a very hunter jumper community and mm. we right away start off with, okay, when are we going to jump? When are we going to jump? And I just feel like there's so much of the foundational, like fundamental aspects of riding that are missing when we just focus on the other aspects of other disciplines. Completely agree with you. Yeah. I think it gives you a good head start. Are you feeling inspired to start introducing dressage movements to your horse? Or do you dream of advancing through the levels? No matter where you and your horse are in your journey, WeHorse can help. Check out WeHorse.com to access over 175 online courses with top trainers from around the world. 
We have courses on everything from dressage to groundwork to show jumping to bodywork, including specific courses on starting your horse with dressage, learning and practicing specific dressage movements, and all the way up to advancing through the dressage levels. And as a member, you get access to everything in our WeHorse library to watch whenever you want. Oh, and we also have an app, which means you can download a course or a video to watch without Wi-Fi, which is perfect for those days at the barn when you want a quick dose of training inspiration before your ride. So what are you waiting for? Go to WeHorse.com and check out our free seven-day trial to access our WeHorse library and see if it's a good fit for you. We can't wait to see you in there. And now back to the episode. Absolutely. So throughout your um, like riding journey and all of that, you were a working student and you started out grooming for yourself. Now, was that like through as you entered in your professional career or still as an amateur? I know Obviously, I'm an amateur rider, and yeah. um, and I groom for myself. <laughs> yeah. But did you like as you entered into your professional career? Were you still grooming? Was there a transition? How did that all happen? Yeah. So I groomed for myself from ages 11 to 21. I was a working student most of those years as well, and I turned professional at 18. So I still groomed for myself for a good three years solely. Um, I had some help at shows, of course, when you have multiple shows, you need help, but, um, at home it was all me. And then once I started getting so many horses in my stables, I had to hire professional help and they've been incredible. But I really, for me personally, I, I can't even imagine being a rider without being a groom first and being a working student first. And I know it can't work out for everybody like that, but if it's possible, I mean, you get to know your horse under saddle by grooming them, mm-hmm. by knowing every single little detail about them, by knowing which tiny little leg is swollen, which, uh, you know, their personality, when you're brushing them, when you're girthing them, when you're putting the bridle on what bits they like and how that transfers over to riding. Um, that's the reason I'm able to connect with my horses so well is because I still groom them to this day, just as much as I can. Um, and I'm in charge of my horses completely. You know, a, a lot of times, if you have 40 horses, you can't keep a close eye on all of them, but I have, you know, I'm working with about 10 horses a day. So I know every single thing about them. And if they come out funny or if I miss something, like I don't blame my groom, I blame myself because I know so much about them and I know how much it carries over into the training ring. And then in the show ring, mm-hmm. I have two horses and I find it exhausting. So <laughs> it is exhausting. I know. And that's why it's like, we don't have to there's a good balance, you know, cause there is a balance of like working students being killed out there and mm-hmm. being taken advantage of. But then there's also the aspect of not putting the work in with your horse by yourself. So mm-hmm. it's exhausting, but it pays off so much. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about when you were a working student, um, the experience of that, how, you know, maybe a sense of work ethic has gotten you to where you are today, because obviously the being a professional rider and having any sort of success does require a significant amount of work ethic. So how did being a working student maybe play a part in that? Or do you think it did? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think anyone who's been a working student knows the trenches and what it's like. Um, you are up before everyone else is up and you go to bed after everyone else is asleep. It makes you push past what you think you can push past, you know? Um, it gives you a lot of just drive, honestly, to 
keep working to get hired to to kind of make it out of the working student position um, because you want to be the rider, you want to be at the top and, you know, grooming the horses for people and seeing them ride just motivated me so much to get mm. there one day. So I was super blessed to be able to have good horses. After I turned like 18, I, um, I was able to have the opportunity on some good horses, but um, what most people don't realize is like for eight years, I was like, a straight up groom working student. I rode a pony that bucked me off every single day. And, um, I was, I was just grinding until I, I made it. And, um, it absolutely has a huge effect on how I ride, how I work and my work ethic today. What advice would you give to young riders or any other riders that maybe kind of want to get into professional riding or riding training as a career um, what advice would you get them, give them in getting started? I would say number one, social media is a huge tool. Like reach out to everybody, you know, yeah. that rides horses, reach out, like send out a hundred DMS a day. You know, there's going to be someone who needs help and just start wherever you can. And if you have a good attitude, a good work ethic, if you have talent, that's really important. Um, someone's going to want you, someone's going to want to keep you around and you're going to get opportunities, but you have to really, really work hard. You have to, um, train harder than anybody else. You have to show up earlier. You have to stay later, um, and prove that you're worth putting time into and that you are willing to develop the talent that you have, but it's possible, but you do have to put a lot of work in at the start. But, um, especially nowadays, I mean, make it a job, make it like a job, uh, listing, you know, like message people every single day, ask people, you know, um, make a network, reach out. And the most important thing is have a great attitude. You never know who you're talking to. I come in contact with so many young riders all the time. And really within the first meeting, I know if I'd want to have them as a working student Mm. or if it's someone I don't want to work with. Um, so your reputation is the most important thing in the sport. Make sure you have a good reputation, a good work ethic. Um, don't be entitled, don't be lazy. Um, and really the key is work harder than anybody around you and you'll stand out. That's such good advice. And even bringing it back to the idea of social media, like that's where everybody is nowadays. That's literally their business card. So that's, yeah, that's, I think really important for a lot of people is like you said, like work the DM um, be consistent. So that actually ties in, um, to a question that I have. I read in a dressage news article that you never indulge in two characteristics that are common in high performance sports. One is making excuses for failure. And the other one is self-promotion when things appear to go well. So it's like the idea of like staying really humble. Is that something that's a practice for you, um, especially as you, you know, achieve more success? Um, or is it something that was instilled from you in the start, maybe from your family values? Definitely from my family values. It all starts. Um, who I am is, is all begins with them. I having some incredible parents I'm really grateful for. And they were both athletes. So they really helped us develop since the beginning in an athletic mindset. And just what I've learned over the years, I mean, I've competed in so many sports and the second you get cocky, you need to leave, (laughs) you know, the second you think you're too good, there's no time for you, um, in this sport and people will realize that and you'll get a reputation for that. Um, and then also when things are going well, you got to just keep going because it's going to get hard. And I think social media is a great tool and it's 
a hard tool. It's a blessing and a curse because we only put most of our highlights on there. Mm-hmm. And that's not completely real all the time. But if you do put your failings on there, then you get hate for it, you know, or someone picks out that your horse is a little above the bit or you're sitting a little bit to the side or something. So um, it's definitely something tricky to navigate. But I think you just need to be as honest as possible with yourself, with your followers. And yeah, don't get too high. Don't get too low. You're never too big to clean up poop. <laughs> My coach Kunjo always says, you know, um, and then you're never too small to achieve your dreams. I love that. Yeah. So you're actually quite active on social media. And, and when you had mentioned the idea that it's, it can be hard, it's a highlight reel. And, you know, then there's a lot of, um, what are they called? The, when they're like the coach, um, I can't, it's like a sports term when somebody sits on the coach, but they're the ones that are like the constantly saying, Oh, we should have done this. We should have done that. Instead. Oh yeah. I know what you mean. I don't know the word, but I understand. Yeah. yeah. So what's your relationship like with social media? I think same thing. It's a blessing and a curse. I've been really lucky. I have such incredible followers. I don't have a huge following, but they're so loyal. Mm -hmm. Um, I think because I really tried to be honest throughout the years and I, my approach to it is that I want to leave a mark on this world. That's a positive one. I want to leave it better than I found it. So Mm -hmm. anything I post, I want it to be either um, something joyful or something motivating, something encouraging, something funny. Um, I think the world's a tough place and I want to make my page someplace you can go to get away a little bit. Cause that's how I use social media a bit. I don't necessarily use it to like watch training videos all the time and be super intense. I use it to get away from the intensity of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when a lot of people are you know, rightfully so posting intense things and maybe political things that they really believe in. Like I'm, I'm happy for them, but for me, I want to make it a place of joy, a place of positivity, a place of realness too. I mean, I've posted my failures on there. When I mess up, I say I messed up, you know, I'm not like, Oh, you know, the judges, I was two points away from getting a 72. If I didn't make this mistake, like, no, I got a 69. Cause I screwed up and I got last place and that happens and that's real. And I move on. Mm-hmm. So I think for me, I get really encouraged by seeing people's hardships, but then I also get a lot of joy out of seeing their triumphs and it's encouraging. And that's what I want to be to people. Mm. What do you feel is the importance of professional athletes being on social media? Do you think it's an important thing to show the different sides of the sport? Do you think that sometimes it's a controversial thing? Um, Let's talk about that for a sec. Honestly, I think it's all the above. Mm. I really do. I think it is condemning sometimes. You see these articles and maybe the picture's taken at the wrong time. And then you'll see 300 comments of absolute hate for one wrong moment. And then you'll see, you know, people who get together and have raised money for, um, you know, someone who has cancer or someone who fell off and needs to pay medical bills. So, you know, you can't just be like, all social media is bad because it does so much good. But I do think it's definitely a time that no generation has experienced before and figuring out how to navigate that is really tricky. So I really do think it's all the above. It's, it's great. It's hard. It's not totally honest. It's, um, it's just a really tricky place, but it's also, I think, especially for 
riders for athletes, it's super important. I mean, all of my brand deals I have are because of my social media following, you know, and I know a lot of people rely so much on brands and, um, income because of social media. So I think just figuring out how to navigate it and use it correctly. Um, and then getting help if you need, like I'm going to start using a social media team because, um, I'm going to be showing so much. I don't have time to be like, Oh, I need to get this 15 second shot and I need to do this and this. I love mm-hmm. it. I love creating content. Actually. I would probably be like a social media manager if I didn't ride horses, but, um, I think getting help, making sure you don't get too deep into it. And then if you get a hate comment, you got to let it go right over your head. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Um, that's interesting about getting a social media team. I think that it is something that a lot of people could benefit from because you see people that could have really good platforms. Um, and they're just so busy, right? It's it's like, it goes back to the whole idea of having multiple horses and trying to groom them yourself. Like it just, you you need the help, um, exactly in order to get to where you want to go. If you want to get the brand deals, if you want to, you know, be more known as an athlete, you do need to have the help. It's, you know, same as grooming the horses. Yeah, you have to do it. And there's this network also real quick. It's called Upwork that I've used before. And they're actually um, like some pretty affordable people to help with your social media content because it can be super expensive. Yep. But these, a lot of them are like college kids, you know, trying to have a side hustle. So if anybody's looking for a cheaper uh, social media manager, um, the Upwork or like online online places you can find like that are good. Oh, that's interesting. That's super helpful for a lot of people as well. Um mm-hmm. Interesting. I feel like yeah. I've heard of them. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, maybe we'll link that in the show notes if anybody wants to, uh, to check that out. Yeah. So with your social media, I feel like we're, we're narrowing in a lot of social media stuff here. Um, you post a lot about your fitness journey as well. Um, yes. so you're, you're sharing a ton. I mean, I see you doing like handstands and like <laughs> yeah. all the crazy things. <laughs> Yes. Is that obviously as a gymnast, um, that plays a part in it, but was there a moment, I know Sunday boy being a strong horse, um, inspired you to get into fitness. Was that the reason? Was there, you know, other things? How has the journey played out? Um, let's, let's discuss a little bit of the, the fitness side of, um, you know, being a horse rider. Yeah. So I got super fit as a gymnast, like a little mighty mouse. <laughs> I could do 50 pull-ups <laughs> at eight years old. Oh but my then, gosh. um, yeah. But then after that, I just kind of did normal stuff, not too intense. Like I play basketball. So, um, most of the time, most of my fitness was during practice for school, um, and teams. And then I stopped playing basketball and all those sports. And I got into, as I got more serious into horses, when I got Sunday boy, I sat on him and I realized like I was not worthy of that horse <laughs> fitness wise. Um, I could ride him or I was learning to ride him well with my, my skill and my talent, but it wasn't enough. And I just thought I'm not going to be untalented and unfit enough for this horse. So I got to work. I just literally YouTube. I mean, so many people reach out to me for workouts and how to start YouTube. I mean, it's free. That's there's millions. Too. Yeah. I'm totally there's a so much on there. Yeah. Yep. It's awesome. And now there's like no excuses, you know, yeah. if you, ha- and if you have injuries, like I have injuries, there's totally specific workouts for your injuries. So there's no excuses anymore not to work out. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, once I started doing that, I saw, I mean, my improvement skyrocketed riding wise 
and just my body awareness and um, my injuries started healing and I just got stronger. And, you know, the next year we went on to win a national championship and then two years later, another national championship. And, um, and it's made a huge difference and it's only carried on. I mean, mm-hmm. I need, I'm twice as fit now as I was the Sunday boy, because now, I mean, he's, he's a piece of cake compared to the horses I ride now. <laughs> So, um, I wouldn't be the rider I am. I wouldn't be the person I am. And I wouldn't be able to own a horse like Fiantini and be able to ride her. She's been ridden by, I mean, three big men in the past. Mm -hmm. And, um, she's not, she's a ladies ride now, but when I first got her, she was not a a ladies ride and I wouldn't have been able to do it if I didn't work out. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's something a lot of people don't make enough time for. It's something people don't take seriously. And a lot of times I have a little bit of a problem with it because, you're not able to be empathetic with your horse if you don't work out yourself because it's easy to just keep going and going when they have a lot of energy, they don't take walk breaks. You don't understand how sore they get. Um, to really be an athlete, you need to work out now. It's not, I know there's a lot of people riding 15 horses out there. You're all, you're working out as you're riding. So I'm not telling you to get off your horse at 9 PM and go grind it out, but, (laughs) um, you can always find a little bit of time to get some fitness in. I think speaking of the empathy towards the horse, um, not even just like being like, oh, I get it. You know, I, I just did this cardio workout, so I know what it's like. I also think it, it comes down to if you're unbalanced, you're bringing those imbalances to your horse. If you're unfit, you're bringing that to your horse. Like it's, you're asking your horse to perform like an athlete, but you know, if, if you're not taking care of yourself, that's not really fair. Exactly. And I think we can't be out there saying that this is such a hard sport if you're not willing to put in the work yourself. Mm -hmm. So I totally agree. And I have a a junior right now, actually, and she does a great job of it. Uh, She's, she sits crooked sometimes and she says, okay, I'm going in the gym later and I'm going to work on this. And the next Mm -hmm. five days she works on it and her lessons are better ever since she starts Mm -hmm. working on that. It makes a huge difference. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, I would get all these body workers for my mare and I was like, yeah, she's kind of got this little stickiness on this side of her and whatever. And I'm thinking, gosh, I don't really think that I've been a massage therapist for a while. (laughs) Exactly. Maybe it's me. (laughs) Exactly. I think self-maintenance too. A lot of, a lot of riders, I think we, we grind ourselves to the bone and we need to also do rehab as well as workouts like we do for our horses. And what about like a sense of mental clarity? Um, like there's obviously so many benefits to fitness apart from just being stronger. Do you find that that has improved like endurance, cardio, all of those things, of course, but what about like a mental clarity, a a sense of like a a better mindset, um, anything like that for your riding? Absolutely. Number one for me, it gives me mental toughness because when I am running my beach stairs and I am absolutely dying, but I keep going, I know that when I'm halfway through my Grand Prix wanting to throw up, I can keep going. Mm -hmm. Um, It's made me so mentally tough and I know that I can get through anything physically, but also it's a great escape. It gives you such good endorphins. Um, Mm -hmm. You just, you get to step away from everything that's going on. Um, I think working out is so good for your brain. And mm-hmm. also there's, I know there's like a whole stigma about it, but we're, I'm trying to help get rid of that in my own way. But um, therapy is huge also for mental. There's a place called Better Help. It's an online program and it's very affordable. So if anybody needs therapy, I have two therapists, um, like a, a psychologist or a sports therapist. And then I have a normal therapist. And honestly, I'm doing so well because of them. And I absolutely love it. So I think working out and, and therapy is huge to be a top athlete. 
And what's the name of the link again? I'll put it in the show notes. It's called Better Health. Better Health. Okay. Yeah. Better Health or Help? Help. H-E-L-P. Okay, perfect. I'll yeah. put that in the show notes for everybody. Because I, I think that not only the stigma, but also um, the financial resources around it is preventing people from taking better care of themselves. So that's, um, that's excellent. Thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So speaking of, you know, therapy or mental health, um, balance as an equestrian is, you know, it's pretty challenging. Um, not only are our horses very demanding, um, you know, with their feed schedules and, and all of those different things. Um, but, we also kind of get sucked into the world of the equestrianism and we forget to, you know, differentiate it from our own lives, our personal lives with our friends and our family that aren't associated with horses. So mm-hmm. what do you do for balance? Do you find it challenging to have a balance? Um, what are your suggestions for people there? Yeah, I find it very challenging, especially in those working student days. There's mm-hmm. some years you have to really just push it out and tough it out. And there's some years where you have a breather and you need to make sure you're taking care of your life as a whole. So I'm a huge advocate for finding things you love outside of the barn because it will also make you more eager to go back to the barn and ride. So I, I'm blessed. I live 15 minutes from the beach. I love the beach. So I go there all the time. Um, I, my cousin lives really close by. He's one of my best friends. We go out to dinner a few times a week, just any little thing you can do. It doesn't have to be huge things. doesn't have to be expensive things. You can go on a hike. You can go on a walk. Um, but I'd say, honestly, like, especially for horse riders, we're so enveloped in our horses' lives. You have to force yourself to get away from the barn or else you will hit a burnout and you won't love it as much. I've hit it multiple times. And that's why I'm such a huge advocate for doing things you love outside of the, of the stables. Um, because in the end, like say one day I am blessed enough to go to the Olympics and somehow we win a medal or something. It's going to be amazing, but it's going to be sitting in my sock drawer. And if I have no friends, no family, no memories surrounding that, um, and following that, it's going to be pretty empty. So I think have your goals, set your goals, but make sure you're creating a full life around your riding as much as you can. That's such a good point. Such a good point. Mm -hmm. Now, what about boundaries? Do you feel that you have to set boundaries, like have like an actual conversation with people? Um, You know, don't text me after these times or or something like that. Um, Because, you know, especially at a boarding barn, um, if you're not there with your horse, having your horses at your house or something like that, um, you know, you, you're, you are very plugged in, um, wondering what's going on. Um, so do you feel that there's a sense of boundary that has to be put in place? Yeah, I think it depends a little bit what situation you're in. If you own the boarding farm, you definitely need to set very strict Mm -hmm. boundaries. And if people don't want to follow them, they can leave. And now with social media, you can find more people. I know so many toxic barns and they think they have to hold on to these clients because, um, they need the money and, just like put a, put a little bit of work in on social media and you'll find more clients that make it a good environment. A good environment's huge for training. Um, I am lucky enough that my, we just moved to, um, a farm and it's right in my backyard. (laughs) So, um, it's very enclosed for me, especially getting towards the top level. I have a bubble. I really keep myself in a bubble and I kind of prioritize who's allowed to be in the bubble, who's allowed to 
you know, even have my phone number. Um, mm-hmm. And then at, on competitions, usually I'll give my phone to uh, my manager or my friend or uh, my mom. Um, because it's definitely not helpful to look at social media during competitions. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, you definitely have to set boundaries. And even things like uh, when you're out, people, when people are out with me, they know, like, I don't really drink. I go to bed when I want to, you know, it's not, I'm not going to stay on party till 2am. I have to train the next day. So I really prioritize my life around my riding schedule and you just have to basically do it. And when people see that you're going, this is how you've chosen to live. Um, they, they respect it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's almost like having a, um, like a mindset boundary as well, because it could completely, if if you're allowing other things to be coming in and, and you're going to these high level competitions, like, it, it could really affect, um, hugely, hugely. Yeah. 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 Mental game is so important. You have to protect your mental game. Yeah, absolutely. Now, do yeah. you do anything, um, to help with that in terms of like meditation or I know you'd mentioned going to therapy. Um, do you do anything else with your mindset game, um, that you find has been helpful? Yeah, I definitely have a routine now. Um, one of my therapists is like a hypnotherapist. So I'll do that the day before. And it's it's the coolest thing. It's the coolest thing. If any of you can do it, you should, because a lot of times when you go to therapy, it feels like ripping open a wound and you leave and you're still kind of icky Mm -hmm. hypnotherapy. You tell, I tell her all my things and then they just like put you to sleep at the end and you leave way more calm than you came in. It's the, it's the coolest thing. Always so I'll do that. Yeah. I love it. I'll do it the day before the competition. So that already kind of gets me a little bit chilled out. And then, um, I basically pop in headphones all day long. I don't talk to a lot of people. I don't interact a ton. Cause I think that gets you out of your headspace a little bit. Um, I stick with my horse. I stick with my people. And then, um, for me, I listen to like comedy podcast before I ride. I don't listen to pump up music um, because I think I'm already pumped up enough. I'll listen to hype music when I'm working out the day before, but I listen to funny things that just keep me happy, that keep me light. And um, yeah, and that's that's kind of my routine before I get on my horse. So everybody just needs to find what works for them mentally, but you need to make a mental game plan or else you're going to be scattered once you get on the horse and you don't just get on the horse and you're locked in. You have to prepare to lock in. Like right now I'm three weeks away from my, a big CDI um, to qualify for the world cup. And already I'm literally preparing myself mentally to be locked in then. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's interesting that you mentioned about the comedy podcast. It's uh, I listen to a lot of podcasts, of course. And, mm-hmm. um, usually my go-tos are like things around horses and riding, or they are around business and marketing. Um, and I recently just started listening to some comedy podcasts and mm-hmm. I'm just finding it such a nice change yes. because like I would get so sucked into, Oh, okay. I, I should do this or I should take some notes on this or, you yes. know, you just, you're always, productive and spinning. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so instead I've just been listening to stuff and I'm just like laughing at like these random jokes and it's such a nice, yeah. it's, it's a really it's such nice, a nice switch. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm like, if I get on the horse relaxed and happy, that's me at my best. Yeah, absolutely. So let's, um, I really want to talk about your recent Grand Prix freestyle when you were singing. Um, yeah. I love that. I love that so much. Um, Thank tell you. us all about the experience of 
doing your freestyle and hearing yourself um, leading up to it, what made you decide to do it. Um, and then, yeah, just the idea of like blending your passions. I love it. Yeah. So, I mean, freestyles, everybody knows they're my favorite thing in the world. If I could only ride freestyles the rest of my life, if there was an option, I probably would. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I was, I've been a musician basically since I was five. I've been a, I'm a worship leader at church. Um, and singing is my other passion. That's another thing I would do if I wasn't riding horses. So when it comes to freestyles, Diva was my first big time one I, I had to make. And basically I listened to a hundred hours of music and I narrow it down. And then I listen to that music again for another like 30 hours and I pick out all the pieces. Um, I made the, the pattern and for diva, I knew her so well, I wanted a degree of difficulty at a 10. So that was, that's been really fun already. But yeah, I, uh, in 2020 during the pandemic, we found this band called BTS and they're a Korean boy band. They're the biggest band in the world since Elvis They're the biggest music group. And they just inspired me so much. I love their music. They made Corona year such a beautiful year through like the tragedy for us. It was a, a place where like me and my family would sit after dinner and just watch BTS videos and music. And um, it's such a beautiful memory and they're so inspiring. They work so hard. I always love finding inspiration. And so I wanted to have that when I was writing my freestyle. So I was like, this is it, this is the music and it's such good music. And, um, we went to their concert also in LA and I was like, yep, this is what I'm doing. <laughs> so, um, we started putting it together and a couple of years back I had sung in another one of my freestyles. Cause at first I was like, I don't want this to be pretentious. I just, this is my passion. I love singing. I wanted, I wanted to sing in it. And some people heard it and they liked it. So I was like, what if I do this for the, for the big girl freestyle? <laughs> and so um, it ended up working out and people loved it. And I got to put both my passions together. I mean, honestly, when you get to do that, we, you barely get to do one passion alone, um, much less two. So to have my voice in there, I think it was so fun. And I actually have made a new freestyle for this year. Yay! And I am singing in it again because I think people love it. I love it. So we'll see if it goes over as well as the last one. Oh, that's so exciting. I can't wait. Yeah, um, not only yeah. was the freestyle amazing, but the song was so good. So, Thank you. It's such a good song. <laughs> yeah. So I, I can't so wait. I can't wait for yeah. the new one. We yeah. actually, um, music really helped us during like the shutdown of the pandemic as well. Um, so I am from um, Nova Scotia, Canada. So the Maritimes mm. of Canada is like a very small, um, there's like a little maritime culture here. And, um, there's this local musician and he sings a lot about the maritime culture and he mm. would, every Friday night, he would go on YouTube and we would stream it on our TV and every Friday, you know, for months we watched them and it was so nice to have, it's, it still felt like you were connected, um, yeah. you know, having that music throughout, you know, such a horrible time. Yeah, so that, absolutely. Music's incredible that way. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, uh, I like that, that like shared coincidence there. That's neat. That's awesome. Now you are also offering coaching and training to clients, correct? Yes. What's it like? I can't even imagine balancing your own professional career and then also training others. So what's, what's that like? Um, how do you find the balance? I know we spoke before about balance between personal life and, and being an equestrian, but now it's 
the balance of your professional career, um, how, how is that? How's that going? And um, what advice do you have for people that are riding and, and trying to train or coach at the same time? Yeah, I think, again, boundaries are super important. And I've made all the mistakes. So hopefully people can watch me and just <laughs> listen to what I've done. And when you're 18, don't make my mistakes. Just learn from me um, because I've lived them all. When I first became pro, I took on way too much. It was mad. I was riding like 15 horses a day. Um, and just so scattered. And then when I did come to my lessons, they were good, but they weren't great. And, um, you know, I had to get off and rush to the next lesson. So I know some people have to do that out of necessity, um, because, you know, you have to earn a living and pay for your horses. Um, but if at all possible, you definitely need to figure out a schedule that works for you. And then again, boundaries and keeping like your mental peace through all of it. I have, I scaled down a lot once I started competing, you know, overseas in Europe. And, um, when I, now, when I first meet interested clients, I tell them like my career right now comes first for me. Um, and they really respect that. Mm -hmm. And I'm so grateful for that. I only work with people who really respect that. Like I've been working 18 years for this. I'm so close <laughs> and, um, they, they understand. And if, I, I refer them to a ton of other trainers if they want a full-time, you know, coach that can hold their hand every single second of every single day. I know there are people that absolutely need that. And I'm just not that person right now. I can be, but I can't be right now in the future, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I have a few really, really good young riders I'm working with right now. And, um, I've, really haven't taken on more clients than that at the moment, just because young riders, especially are very involved. You know, you have to help completely with their schedule. If there's any vet work, if there's, um, they have a lot of travel and like, I also help them with their social media, which is fun. And, uh, but again, I set, um, schedules throughout the day. So like this hour is their time and this hour is their time. And, you know, they know if I don't text back, I'll get to them at their time the next day. Mm -hmm. So, um, just setting boundaries, um, setting schedules, really being strict about it and just not letting things get in the way of your own training, because that mm -hmm. again is what's most important because their training is most important to their life. So my training has to be most important to my life. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Especially at this point. Yeah. Now we know the Olympics is a goal and you know, we're all rooting for you and hoping that, uh, hoping <laughs> that comes you. to fruition. What do you hope? What do you foresee the future brings? Yeah. I'm always so hesitant to talk about the Olympics because we don't have to talk about the Olympics. Then. We don't no, want to change yeah, yeah, anything. Yeah. Well, no, no. <laughs> I love explaining this. I do because I've, I've known so many people who have been like, I'm going to the Olympics and that's what I'm training for. And of course that's my goal, but I also don't ever want people to think, I assume I'm going to make it. I know how hard it is. You know, I've, I've been to Aachen. I've been to Rotterdam. I've been to a lot of, and world cup. I've been to a lot of top competitions. I'm, I know how hard it is. And I know how much better I need to be to be at the top. So it's always going to be a goal of mine. And whether it takes me three years or 30 years, I'm never going to stop trying. And I know I could work for the next three decades and not make it. You know, you have to have a lot of luck as well. The horse has to be ready. You have to be ready. Um, you know, Corona doesn't have to, you know, there's so many things that come into play. So I will never, ever be one that will assume I'm going to make it. And 
I just really hope that one day everything comes together and I can, because I know that there's so many people who've been supporting me for so years and I, mm-hmm. I really want to do it for them. I want to do it for my parents. I want to do it for the feeding company. I want to do it for, for America. And I want to do it for my horse and my coach. And, um, I just want it so badly that I will never stop working. I'm just never going to assume that I can make it. Mm. Well, we're all rooting for you that you will. Thank and you. do you, let's say, let's say you go to the Olympics. Let's say you've got that medal that you've put in your sock drawer, like you had said, and, mm-hmm. or not, you know, obviously we're going to display that. Right. Uh, <laughs> but is there anything else you foresee past that? Like where, where do you want the rest of your career to go? Where do you want your training to go? Um, you know, what impact you want to make? Yeah. So there's quite a few things. I have so many dreams. Um, one would be to literally go as, go to as many big competitions as I can, um, in my career. That's the number one goal. I want to see how far I can get, how many I can get, um, Lord willing. And then, but during that time, you know, when I'm, when I've established myself and I'm, I'm able to maybe add more things to my plate, I want to start like, I don't know if it's a foundation or some kind of riding club, but I want, um, just more underprivileged kids to be able to ride horses. So whether if it's me buying a full barn of ponies and having camps that my stables for free or, um, sponsoring kids, starting foundations and doing charities to sponsor kids, Um, I just want to make the sport more accessible because I know that's the hardest part about it. And I know that's something for me, that's something I've gotten the most judgment and hate over is that, you know, my dad, uh, came over to America with $90 in his wallet and he worked his way up. And, um, thankfully he's able to buy me some really good horses, but, um, I also know how much hard work that takes and, um, just facing a lot of that hate it really has given me a heart for, um, giving the opportunities that I've had to kids who couldn't afford it or even adults, you know, whoever, um, and just to make the sport bigger, to make the sport, um, more mainstream. I want like when Adrian Lyle goes to the next Olympics, she needs to like be on Jimmy Fallon, you know, I want to make it bigger. I want to make it more of a sport. I want more eyes on the sport. Um, and I want to provide people who wouldn't be able to have opportunities and opportunity in the sport. Mm, I love that. When I said that we were really big fans of you here at Wee Horse, um, and myself personally as well, um, it just keeps growing and growing. Like you are such a special person, Anna, and I, <laughs> I truly hope the best for you. Um, you know, with, you. with your riding and then and beyond. Um, I just think that's so wonderful. Thank you. That means so much. I really hope I can make the impact I want to make on the sport. Mm -hmm. So we have um, four questions that we ask all of our podcast guests. And um, they're just kind of like quick, punchy little questions. And um, I'll start with the first one. Do you have a motto or a favorite saying? Yeah. Gunter once told me when I first started training with him, don't train emotionally. I think that's huge for horse riding. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's a very good quote yeah. for a trainer. Just, yeah. That's very good. Mm-hmm. Um, the second one, who has been the most influential person in your equestrian journey? My parents and my coach, Gunter Seidel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you could give equestrians one piece of advice, what would it be? 
outwork everybody you know. Mm. Yeah. And the final one, please complete the sentence. For me, horses are? After my faith and my family, horses are my everything. Mm. They're why I wake up in the morning. They're why I work so hard. They're why I dream big. And they're my best friends. I love that. Is there anything else you want to add to our listeners? Any sorts of, um, anything that we didn't cover? I think we covered so many things I love talking about. Um, just make sure if you need help, get help, um, speak up, talk to somebody, um, and just don't give up, go for your dreams, dream big and and work for them. And it's possible. Mm. Where can people find you and how can they connect with you? And we'll put all of everything in that show notes. Oh, awesome. My Instagram is the one I'm most active on. It's Anna underscore Buffini. And we see pretty much all the DMs, whether it's me or manager, we will see it. Um, if you have any questions, like reach out seriously, anytime, if you're having problems, if you're having, um, questions, whatever you're going through, I've been through a lot of it. So (laughs) reach out. I'd love to talk to you. Um, and yeah, anytime. Awesome. Thank you yeah. so much for being here. I really, really appreciate it. And it was just an absolute honor speaking with you. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Equestrian Connection podcast by WeHorse. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the world to us if you could leave us a rating and review, as well as share us on social media. You can find us on Instagram at wehorse underscore USA and check out our free seven day trial on wehorse.com where you can access over 175 courses with top trainers from around the world in a variety of topics and disciplines. Until next time, be kind to yourself, your horses and others.